We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Light Years Podcast, we are back. Andy Liu, Sam Fendiari, and Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA, per and per me, per myself. We've been saying this for years. Steph People Curry has been carried. Yep. Durant is the best player in the NBA. People are just upset that he left Oklahoma City. Uh, it's not even close. And the last three games, my God. Yep, November games against the Sacramento Kings and the Orlando Magic. That is all I need to see. No, no, but seriously, I, uh, how how mad were you last night, midway through the first and second quarter? Because I, I think that was the angriest I've been in a while, or at least annoyed. Partially because of a come down, partially because you have infected my mind about Steve Kerr's system, and now I get as angry as anyone else when I watch them play. But well, there's nothing worse than a lethargic Monday night game, particularly after a long weekend. So we've we've all we we didn't work for four days. It's hard enough to go back to work on a Monday, and then I have to be subjected to Quinn Cook pump faking (laughs) into 19 footers when the other side just like gets open threes. It's very annoying. So (laughs) it, it it was like the perfect recipe for you to get frustrated like you just finished a long day of work you you had a fun weekend you're tired you're like all i want to see is some good basketball relax and you're subjected to terrible basketball for about two and a half quarters <laughs> um that this is what happens when uh steve kerr allows the best player on the team to just go H- how many how many pick and rolls how many times did we see K- as you say kd just go downhill just go Right. Yeah, and, once they whew. stopped throwing it to Damian Jones in the post the beginning of every possession to waste 10 seconds. And by the way, I feel bad for Damian Jones because he's getting a lot of criticism that he doesn't deserve. I think he's been generally functional for a rotation big. It's just like only the Warriors would feel the need to feed him the ball far more than, you know, they still have KD and Clay. What he should be doing is kind of just playing defense and, like, finishing. He shouldn't be worried about, like, establishing post position and doing dribble handoffs. <laughs> yeah, and I, you're right, though. I, I, I've kind of gotten so fed up with Damian Jones that I've kind of lost sight of the fact that it's not his fault, right? Like, he's just playing basketball. He's trying, right? He's doing all the things that he wants to right, do to he play. He should be playing 10 minutes a game. Is what I, I think he shouldn't even be playing. Like, I, I, like I've been saying, I just, I'm all in on Jordan Bell. Just let him screw up because at least he'll make some good plays. Damian Jones doesn't, he'll make one good play. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Um, KD, uh, more impressed by his offense or defense because that was, defense. that was incredible. And it's actually um, – so I said this to you. 
Katie, when he's engaged defensively, that's leadership. That's like when he takes over the game because it, it the team feeds off of it. Like, I don't know that people feed off of 15-footers that you make like 60% of the time, and it's just kind of like a quiet automatic. But like yep. that chase down block he had in the third quarter that just Oracle erupted at, and this is – I'm excited for Chase, but it's man, if that crowd doesn't get like up on those energy plays the way Oracle does, and that's always been a unique thing about Oracle where it's like you could take it back to we believe like if Matt Barnes did something or um obviously Draymond's the the classic example, just guys who make energy plays to get the crowd hyped. Um when KD does that cuz he's very capable it changed it changed the momentum of the game. It changed the momentum of the game the way that like Steph hitting a couple crazy shots does or Draymond making a couple, you know, great defensive plays does. He's like that like and I I was thinking about it last night too. It's he's like that blend between like Steph and Draymond in how he can endear himself to the Warriors fan base. It's like, "All right, great. You were you're getting in the finals, right? Finals MVP and you're hitting a lot, you're making a lot of points and all of that. But a lot of what the Warriors fan base loves and has loved about Steph and Clay and Draymond is what they've done the regular season, 73 wins, and then he's also able to make both flash play Steph will never block someone right he'll never do a chase down block he'll never yeah, I like mean, do something he just on can't defense. Draymond <laughs> will never make a three off the dribble KD can do both and right. he did both in one half and that's one of those things where it's like if if he gave that effort consistently and you know not even Steph or Draymond would but like to keep doing that in the regular season that's something that like uh, that that fans appreciate because that's that's like real I don't know. That's just like real effort. And that's real, like a real way to play basketball. And you're not cheating fans who at the end of the day, you can rest, you can do all of this, but the fans do pay and they're there to watch the game. And nobody wants to watch KD kind of just coast to 28 points. Right. And, and a five point win. Right, that, that's not fun. like, like a, like a very quiet, like 10 for 15, 25, five and seven type of night, <laughs> which like, by the way is totally an acceptable great Amazing. game, but it's just kind of like, it's happening in the margins and you're not really putting your imprint on the game. Um, I actually thought about, um, I, I saw, uh, or Iguodala and Katie spoke at this event when they just signed Katie and Iguodala kept talking about how, like we, we just signed this alien and that's kind of like what Katie is at his core, which is like, which is why it's frustrating when he kind of, you know, sits in neutral gear because you know, when he like, pushes himself to play his highest level game. He does stuff that like that no one else really can. Maybe maybe LeBron but kind of in different ways where uh it just makes th- the type of plays he can make very few people can. Yeah, I mean he LeBron can't play offense like he does. No way. Like he doesn't no. have that shot that KD can do. KD can score at all three levels. Um and then he can turn around and KD can play better defense than LeBron. He can protect the rim, right? He's even at the rim more. Um, he's able to switch onto everyone. Like LeBron could do that like eight years ago, right? But but KD, you can see him like be able to to do this at for a long time. Just I mean, one thing, he's longer, um, and so he's able to do I mean, all. He's of it. the same. Just, he's basically the same size as Anthony Davis. So. It's great. He's and he's and he's so much more skilled. As great as Anthony Davis is, right. Kevin Durant is so much more skilled than every single big in the entire NBA. Like he, he's bringing the ball up and dribbling it against guys that are like half his size, and they're not picking him. Like that's. What I really the, don't understand how that happens. Me neither. But it I doesn't do make any sense. I do think it's interesting. Um, the endearment to the fan base part is it's it's mostly because we got to see a great Warriors team before him that played the game in a very pure way that like fans aren't necessarily impressed with just putting up numbers and getting a win it's like they want to see more they want they want to see the game played in a pure fashion which he's more than capable of but hasn't always done with this team no, I mean that that's a great that's that's the that's a perfect point because um it, it's it's like um it's like Winhurst writing that piece saying like hey LeBron is conserving his energy on defense by essentially not playing defense. It's like 
cool, dude. Like that's that's great. But that's also not what we're here for, right? Like I get it. We want to win playoff games, but there's also 82 other basketball games and fans don't I mean they want to see 82 hard-fought games, but we're not asking for that. And with LeBron, this is something and other players as well, Westbrook, whomever else, other superstars, James Harden, they don't even bother doing that for an entire regular season. So that's something that's always been kind of respected about the Warriors because Steph, Draymond, and Clay. sometimes it's a bad thing, right, because they, they try too hard in the regular season, but they always go for those wins, um, and they always play hard on both ends. And, um, and I think I've, that's something that KD's kind of figuring out. And if, and if I can rant, this is one thing that annoys me with internet writing is uh, it's a lot of people who lose – perspective of paying normal people paying normal people loved watching kobe bryant paying normal people like watching russell westbrook they liked they loved watching Allen iverson for all those reasons because they played the game hard um it was various degrees of success like i'm not going to say they're all the same talent level or anything you know but like there what there is a nobility in like playing the game purely every night as opposed to like trying to quote unquote be very smart and like I'm gonna preserve my body for eighty two games like yeah, that's cool, it makes sense, but that's just like a you're you're losing perspective with the lifeblood of the n b a which is like families paying to go to games with their kids you know and like ultimately what drives the interest in the game so maybe maybe like chill out with the the snarky smartness you know yeah that's a perfect way to put it the snarky smartness and the other thing is you're also cheating away your team right it's you cannot expect your your team to all of a sudden create those habits in the postseason you can Right, like you may be that great player, and you can come and once the postseason starts, be that great defender. But Jordan Clarkson isn't, right? And <laughs> Alfonso McKinney, he's gonna have to play hard. He can't just turn it on in the postseason, right? Kevon Looney, he can't just turn it on in the postseason. These guys, if you're helping them out and you're playing defense and you're attached and on a string on defense, then all of a sudden they'll know what to do in the postseason when you go even harder. Um, so it's really also for the team itself too. Like that's kind of the, um, I guess you could say culture, um, that, that the Warriors have kind of built that, that type of cash that they have with the players. It's like, dude, if you play this way, you know, 50, 60 games of the regular season, you'll know that you can get to that point in the postseason. Everybody will not right. just it's, it's, one it's guy. That, it's that thing we've associated with the Spurs more or less for the last 20 years where it's just like focus on playing the right way. Like I know it's cliche. But it's like doing the little things, and it'll all add up at the end of the day. So, um, and then and then whine about no help if you don't get, you know, if you if you turn it up <laughs> and nobody else doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But anyway, it's um, it's amazing to see KD do it, and I hope it holds up when Steph comes back and for the duration of the season because he did this to a degree last year, and then something changed mid season. You know that Uber commercial. <laughs> dude you make the best last night you made the best point i couldn't stop laughing when uh, i was texting you and i was like hey um you know this is what kd like this is what's gonna make him you know a favorite amongst warriors fans and you're like dude like he's gonna be moody two months again you're gonna start bitching and moaning again two months from now (laughs) and then he's gonna go back and be great and then you're gonna love him again like come on and then i'm just sitting here like like that alonzo morning gift like nah that makes (laughs) that that is what happens every season you're right (laughs) Um, it is a long season. I don't like, I don't expect players to be perfect and not, um, go through ups and downs, but it's like, I I think the bigger thing is seeing guys search for it, you know, like, okay. So you go through a spell where you just can't find it for like five, six games. Like the Warriors just did before this, you know, big three game winning streak against, mostly mediocre teams. Um, But um, it's like you're constantly searching for it instead of just like, I'm just going to wrap it up and wait for like another, you know, 20 games. I mean, you're right. It is a little gritty, right? Like, I mean, like Draymond isn't there. Steph isn't there. DeMarcus isn't there. So it is is a little gritty. Like, Kawan Looney's playing well. Jonas Sharepko is playing well. Quinn Cook is is playing. Damian Lee is not afraid to shoot. I don't know how long we want to talk about that, but he's not afraid to shoot. So um, He hasn't been been going... 
Um, the, uh, I do, I do always yet. love that when dudes come into the Warriors and they're super aggressive shooting. Quinn Cook did this last year. And then, like, Kerr yells at them so much about shot selection that they slowly turn into a guy who won't shoot the ball. Um, so you say that, and I don't think the uh, the average fan knows how much Steve Kerr uh, doesn't necessarily want people, especially role players, to shoot the ball. No, I mean, I, so Kerr. So let me let me let me put this um, in a non trolling way. Uh, Kerr is a perfectionist with basketball, and with that comes probably being too hard on guys to the point where they get in their own head. Um, and on the one hand, the Warriors need it because if Kerr didn't do that, we're back in Mark Jackson era where like you see explosions of greatness, but then there's just like there's ultimately no discipline and context to what they do. And it, it, it like never builds to something beyond like, you know, a nice little second round run. Um, but on the other hand, he can definitely ride guys about it to the point where they're afraid to shoot the ball. They start thinking too much. Like it's a very delicate balance. Like everyone wants to find that perfect balance between execution and freedom. Um, and Kerr walks the line more towards execution. There's other coaches who give guys too much freedom, and like that, that also gives them issues. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, that's exactly. I, I don't think people think of Steve Kerr that way. Is is why I bring it up. And and the the of course the uh, light years brand is that as long as Steph Curry is on the floor, that fine line that Steve Kerr has to walk is is it's perfect, right? Because as long as Steph is on the floor. Iguodala should not be shooting. He should be getting the ball, and he should and he should be looking at Steph respotting out of the three point line and right. getting him that three. So, like, as long as you have that guy on the floor, um, everything's fine. It's just the problem is you can't change people's mindsets because there's hu- they're human when right. Steph isn't playing basketball, and so now all of a sudden we've got a, you know, we got a team of you know three or four guys on the floor that don't want to shoot. You know, but the good thing is at least Jonas Urepko is chucking. Like he gets an open three, he's shooting. Right, he's not yeah, making it right now. But yeah, he hasn't he hasn't gone Omri Caspi on us, where he's afraid to shoot it. I don't think he will. He's so good. Like he's he's not. He knows who he is. He and he's so like he he just bangs and he's like all over the place and you know honestly like he's got a little Javale McGee in him. Like he may land on Steph's ankle at some point and cost him <laughs> two or three games. Like I don't doubt that. But like, um, but he he. Yeah, I mean, he just knows what he's good at, and he doesn't screw it around. Like he doesn't mess around and do something stupid, right? He's just, I mean, he's just fun to watch. I think. I do think if the Warriors are, um, if they can keep KD, let's assume KD stays, um, they need to look for more and more players like that who are, um, know how to function without the ball. Because the reality is, the Warriors need to have the ball more in KD's hands more in Steph's hands and they need less Iguodala types. They need more um, McKinney, uh, Jarebko types. And like in the context of like guys who, if they're open, they'll shoot it. But if they're not open, they'll pass it, but they don't need the ball. Like they, yeah. generally it's, they don't need the ball is what I'm I get talking it. about. Yeah. And, and, and like, whereas like Iguodala is a guy who needs to touch the ball and like make like his best offensive skills is decision making, right? So it's another playmaker. Like the Warriors need to s- slowly find more role players who are more like I don't want the ball. I'll like I'll take three to four threes a game because I'm open and I'll take it with confidence. But like you don't have to worry about getting me my touches. Yeah, I mean that that's true. That's that fine line again. I think between like what Steve Kerr wants, which is probably someone like Iguodala, versus what. Maybe the Steph and Katie you need more is a, is a shooter and 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 also doubles at a defender. Me personally, I'm always gonna. I I actually tend to take more of Steve Kerr's side. Um, I I love I love Iguodala. I love people that play like Iguodala, right. just because he's never gonna make a mistake. And like for me, it's he never. He, I have never seen him make a wrong play. Like he'll airball a shot and he'll do like things that are dumb. Um, but on defense and on offense, he's just. Sure. Like he still should be finishing games, I think, right? Like even with yeah. Demarcus Cousins in the fold, I think that should be like that. That should be pretty. Uh, should be pretty obvious. Yeah, no, I mean it's uh, we're nitpicking. It's just kind of like um, 
they need to slowly figure out more players who fit a KD centric offense um, as much as a Steph centric one, just so they have the yeah. flexibility to play both. Um, because, I mean, as they age, you're going to have to have the ability. You need players who can play with both. And like guys like like Livingston, Livingston was signed with Steph in mind. Iguodala was signed with Steph in mind. And they're brilliant signings, and it makes total sense. But um, y- you don't need like three to four of those guys is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, it's kind of up to Bob Myers to, to figure that out, right? And to see uh... – um, to because he hasn't has he really made a great signing in the last couple of years? Well, I mean, how much how much uh, freedom has he had? Like they 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 used their mid level on Nick Young last year. And yeah, you're right. I like Nick Young more than you did. Uh, not a great player or anything, but like they did just need someone who'd fired up off the bench here and there, and he did have his moments. Um, this year, I mean, they they got boogie for the mid level. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a kind of fell in their lap though. But yeah, I get it. It did, but like you know, you, what you gonna say no to him? Like, <laughs> why? Well, I, I attribute that more to to him wanting to play with uh, with Steph and Katie and Clay. True. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, so so what? Steph is maybe not gonna come back on on Thursday now. Draymond, Draymond, you said you're gonna talk about this later, but Draymond injuries seem problematic and they always are but yeah um, it's more the toe injury I mean you know as well as I do the toe injury is one of those lurking ones and um, even though they're, they don't necessarily have a bunch of depth as position other than KD and Drebko um, why just why run him into the ground so that he can't like move off his toe in April like this is a it's a very common sense way to look at it, right? Like you might as well extend his rest period now because ultimately you need him healthy in the playoffs. I think they kind of learned a lesson from last year too because I think Draymond played through multiple injuries last year. Um, he had that shorter one where he came, he couldn't even shoot the basketball. Although to be fair, he can't shoot the basketball right now. Um, and but we, but we do need to talk. That's that's kind of the problem with Draymond. Um, he only knows how to play one way. Um, that way is very good. That way leads to more and more injuries. And I don't know that he can be effective if he doesn't play his way. You know, like it's not like it's not like he can LeBron it up and like coast in third gear to effective, but not, you know, his peak basketball. Um, right. Because he needs to be at his peak to be the best player. That, yeah. That, well, um, I mean, that. it's just he's not physically gifted enough to like, you know, play it, play at half speed. That's gonna to be tough. I mean, it, it should be fine this season. It's just, I guess, if you look in the future and you say, "Hey, KD's gone," that's gonna be something that's that's very problematic um, for the Warriors. Just get AD. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that is true. You could just have Steph and AD moving forward. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I but I do think they learned their lesson. Just just saying, hey, we we just can't keep playing Draymond, even though I'm sure Draymond wants to play. We just can't have him play through injury because it's just what's the point? It affects him in 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 January and and March and all these all the early seasons. But um, they also get Demarcus Cousins back in Christmas. Um, I, I personally think that Steph and Demarcus could probably play Thursday if Thursday was a you know Western Conference Finals game. But, so could Draymond. Let's be real. So, so could Draymond. Um, <laughs> so, well, I mean, they'd all play. I, I guess it's they're all healthy. I mean, I think Draymond's probably you know, the worst. It's, one. it's. I don't know what like Draymond's last game against Houston was. That was a dude who was banged up who was just trying to play. You know, like if it was the playoffs, he would do that. I don't know how great he would be if he had to play at that level of like toe bothering him. Well, he did that last season. He was he was hurt throughout the whole season, even through the playoffs. Yeah, that's, he gutted that, that thing out. That's yeah. the whole thing with Draymond. It's like you you can make every rational point into why he shouldn't be effective with any given ailment, but like he's just an outlier. Like he he finds like a a level inside of him to do stuff that you know normal normal pro athletes can't find. Yeah, that is uh, 
That is that is Draymond. Um, do we think that the best is gone for Draymond though? Uh, I'm always. Uh, that's kind of one of the things that that we bring up a lot. It's like that, and that's one of the reasons why maybe the Warriors do end up. Yeah, our uh, friend of the show who won't come on the show, Ethan Strauss. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get Ethan on one day, but um, uh, he he always mentions that he and you know, the Warriors may not want to pay him for his next contract. And it's a complete rational point. Like it's, it's hard to justify paying him with lingering health concerns for the next four to five years. When he's having issues at 28, he's going to be 30, 32, 34. You know, that's the type of stuff that like you pay the wrong guy and you've just ruined the end of, you know, the stuff window. Yeah. I mean that is a uh, that's uh, we went too dark we went too dark let's reel it back let's reel it back let's reel it back yeah Katie's um, Katie's signing the five year max we're gonna <laughs> you know, words we're gonna win another four titles everything's good we'll bring it back bring it back <laughs> um, bring it back I think yeah no I mean um, to kind of close out before we get a uh, Blake Murphy on to talk about the uh, the Toronto Raptors um, I, I do think there was a mini crisis moment for the Warriors I think that Bob Myers and and Steve Kerr definitely felt that. Um, and that's why they suspended Draymond. That's why they made it a whole big deal. I think they managed it incorrectly, personally. But um, the team showed uh, championship mentality, right? Uh, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, the two stars that are still playing, they showed that, hey, like we're going to win these games. We're not just going to allow this 6-7 game losing streak because Portland's no joke and Sacramento's no joke, right? They could have easily lost two, those two games, and nope, they won Orlando those. Orlando also both. is no joke right now. I mean, they may be yep. a joke in two weeks, but... <laughs> That's how they always are, but, you know, they're right at 500, right? And um, they won all three games. I don't care how they won it, but they found a way to win those three games, and it, and, and it matters. I think it matters even if it's November, and I think that kind of... Uh, that's See, why I was... I'll actually... Um, I think Steve and Bob managed it well. I actually like the way that they suspended Draymond. Um, I think it was a gamble, but they basically gambled on their culture. They gambled on, we're going to... You know, he crossed a line. And... That's not acceptable. It doesn't matter who you are, even if you're like a beloved guy who's going to get a statue. I that was the gamble. I think, I, I think that's and and here's the, here's why I disagree. I think they take advantage of how nice and lenient a person that Steph Curry is. I think that they know that they can get away with the optics because and and how Steph feels because Steph is never going to be like. Is hey, that you, taking advantage or is that reading the room? Because I, I agree with you. They wouldn't have done that if Steph was... Was KD. Was Westbrook. Well, let's say Westbrook was the point guard and like Draymond was his guy. You right. Know? Which is, yeah. Which is Steph, Steph Draymond's guy. Draymond's right. guy. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, you're right. And, and that's smart, right? That's a smart play by someone like, like Steve Kerr who knows Eagles. Staying with Bob Myers. Um. And yeah, I, I just as as the resident Steph, and we both are, but it, it just it almost feels like it it almost feels like you they take too much for granted what Steph does for the franchise, and it allows so much to happen that you know, like isn't that the beauty of Steph though? <laughs> the fact that you don't have to publicly acknowledge everything he does, and that's why you can have the the culture you do because. The dude, I mean, he, he goes through every emotion. He just doesn't make it about him in the way that most people, and like this goes beyond athletes. It's just most people would, right? <laughs> um, like, you know, if, if that was happening at, at Andy's work and some dude with a, you know, Patagonia vest like Andy uh, pulled some shit, Andy wouldn't be cool with that. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's true. He's, he's, uh, I wouldn't say he's presidential because we now know who our president is. Um, but I would say he has a sort of, he has a sort of diplomatic. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. A diplomatic, regal approach to how he uh, how he manages himself, and it kind of it never puts his teammates in the firing line, even though fans will project Steph's feelings for him. I am the first person to do that, and. We know. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, it's just, it's always, uh, I'm not disappointed in Steph in not doing that because that's why Steph, that's why people want to play with him, right? And so that that's kind of one of those things where I just sit back and I'm just like, dude, if I were Steph, but then again, I'm not Steph and you're not, if, nobody's Steph. If right? you were, if you were Steph, you would have never got Katie to sign because you would have <laughs> never allowed. The- exactly. <laughs> no, it, but it's true, right? Like it is. It Steph takes like, knew. it takes a lot of humility to, uh, do that. But, um, he knew, he knew that the moment that Nike came into San Francisco in the Bay area, UA was going to get destroyed. Like he knew that he's not an idiot. And but he's he's, long, he's long gaming it in a way that may pay off for him. Um, you have a theory that's true. Maybe for another time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll save it for another time. But I'm I'm just saying, I think whenever this story ends, uh, the Warriors run ends, um, and it might end with KD. KD might leave, and you know there might be another chapter like Steph, Clay, and you know someone else. Who knows? I uh, uh, I want to say this before. I think I think everything. I think it's. I mean, Kerr mentions Duncan. Everyone mentions Duncan. I think. I think the long game, the way that like Steph's done everything the right way, will, he'll be he'll be fine in terms of the way the history books look at him. That is that is true. Like they, we will look back, and people will look back at him, and they will read. They will read the titles. They will read what actually happened, and right. they'll say, "Damn." Like Steph, look at. There's gonna I will be some say, just great, so some great thirty for thirties. Oh, I can't wait for the books that come out and the books that are already out. I I just I can't wait for the features. Um, the ones I, in I, twenty years will be better, just because like, I don't know, man. Once perspective hits and you get people to speak on the record, because it's been twenty years without like, you could write a book on it today, but people are gonna be guarded because it affects their day to day. You know, Steph and Katie aren't going to care as much when they're 55, right? I mean, and the seven titles that that Steph has won, like that's like that's going to matter. Hey, I will say this though: the more I kind of sit here and think about it, I I do think Katie is resigning. I actually think at this point, there's no way that he's leaving. Well, but they're going to lose three games next week, and we're going to, you know, we're going to already we're going to be talking about (laughs) who's best next teammate is. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Is uh, do we have another topic, or are we uh? Set? No, let's get let's get Blake in here. Let's get Blake in. All right, perfect. All right, now we've got a good friend of ours, Blake Murphy from the Athletic Toronto Raptors Republic. What up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Not much. You're you're covering the uh, hottest team in the NBA right now, um, even though no one watches Best them team in the for, NBA? for no apparent reason, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to start with, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, um, tell us about dealing with Kawhi on some level. I feel like that's what everyone wants to know because after the way it fell out with the Spurs, it's like, what do we know about this guy? Why does he not speak? It's, it's all very strange. Honestly, man, it's been fine from my perspective. I don't, I, I was so used to covering the team without access for so long that I kind of still only really bug guys if I if I really need to. So a guy who's not super talkative doesn't really get in my way that much. But honestly, I found even when he scrums, he's fine, man. If you talk as long as you're asking him about basketball, he's pretty insightful. He gives you good answers. It's not like it's not like the OG Ananobi joke thing where where his answers are almost always one or two words. Ka- Kawhi gives you good answers. Um, especially if it's about basketball, he just doesn't have time for the, well, how does this make you feel? Or, uh, you know, what did you think about Greg Popovich saying that, uh, it's actually funny to him. I don't know if you guys heard that. Was, yeah. that's, that was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. He's, that been, was, he's been fine though, man. As, as long as the questions are about basketball, he's, he's been great to deal with. That's kind so of a throwback. I like that. Or he just, he, he, he won't tell you about scaffolding like clay or anything. He just, it just yeah. hoops. Hoops, that's it. Everything else is my business, not yours. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like pop, though, isn't it? Isn't that? <laughs> that's kind of similar to, even though I assume that they don't like each other now, uh, considering that pop someone that kind of threw him under the bus. But that's kind of how he is, I, I guess. I, I just, it, it's, when I think of the Raptors, I, I don't know what to think about um, in, in terms of, like, the, the face of the franchise, right? I guess there's Kyle Lowry. But then, like, and as likable as he is, it's kind of hard to be like to watch him play in the postseason and then be like, all right, well, that's the guy I think of when I think of the Toronto Raptors. So like that kind of I've always struggled with kind of identifying that person with the with that team. 
Yeah, I understand that a little bit. Um, I will say Kyle Lowry had a really strong postseason this past year. That was uh, their struggles were were not really the. Yeah, I mean they weren't really the Lowry and DeRozan both felt like like Lowry Lowry shot something like 54 42 87 against the Cavs and like put it up like 15 and 9 or something like that. He was he was good. Um you know, he just couldn't do it himself. It's weird though about the face of the Raptors like I, I almost feel like more than any other team the Raptors are kind of just the Raptors where everyone thinks of them as this kind of collective and I don't know if that's because they're the Canada team or because they weren't good for so long. Um, or what, but like, or maybe it's because Lowry and DeRozan were kind of co-faces, but like, if you had to identify a face, it might even be Masai Ujiri, uh, just because he has kind of the, the strongest um, personality and, and the most kind of cult of personality around him. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Kawhi hasn't grown into that guy for the fan base yet. Obviously, he's the best player on the team, um, even if Kyle Lowry has been kind of the most impactful player so far. So I don't, I don't blame you for not being able to picture kind of one guy with this team. Yeah, I was going to say, um, if I was to put one guy, it would have been Masai, uh, just because it's kind of, it, it seems like he's what the fan base needed. Someone who's like, stop being so insecure and down yourself. Like, the, this is a great city. This is a great team. We're going to be fine. Like, so believe, believe in yourself, like, as he said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that video, I kind of, uh, I, I think I was in the minority in terms of liking that video, or at least it had a um, uh, two-sided reaction to it with the uh the, the pregame video where he's kind of like calling out the fans there. Um, yeah, I didn't, I felt conflicted about it mostly because as it got aggregated, a lot of it was being assigned uh, <laughs> to the team, not the, not the network. Um, so it was just a little weird to be like, Oh, the Raptors put out this video. It was like, eh, I don't know. Sports that owns like 41% of the Raptors, but the Raptors didn't really <laughs> put that video out, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it too, just cause like, you know, even though he was flawed, and I'm absolutely on board with the trade from basketball side. You know, DeRozan, DeRozan was all of our guy for a really long time. So let's uh, we got to talk about the team because I mean, this is. Do we say quietly, Sam? Do we say that the Raptors are quietly the best team in the NBA? I still think that's a thing. I don't think people I, actually. Care. I feel like everything around Kawhi is discussed quietly, <laughs> um, and then you, you got the Raptors who've like historically not gotten the most notoriety among American fans for whatever reason. I actually think it's less the Canadian thing and more. Um, you kind of have to have like an iconic team to break through into the true mainstream. Like NBA Twitter will talk about the Nuggets or the way they talked about the Grizzlies, but like your average American sports fan knows nothing about those teams. Nobody either. gives a shit about the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, like our, like our people talking about Milwaukee right now. Probably not, right? No. Really, right? Yeah. It's like, and, and, and if they do, it'll because Giannis finally took that step to be in that uh, tier MVP. of name superstars that like, he's, he's certainly talented enough to be, but like, I, I don't know, American, American fans tend to follow the NBA mostly by name superstars. Like the Spurs weren't popular for what, 15 years and they only won four titles in that period. It took like, yeah. Yeah, you look at the ratings, you know, ratings are down a little bit this year. And I think I think Lakers Cavs was like the highest rated game of the year so far or something. And that's kind of evidence. It's like that that game was not good. And those two teams are not, you know, particularly notable in the in the bigger picture. So I'm with you. You kind of have to have an ascendant star or an ascendant backstory, um, you know, making being around in the playoffs five, six years in a row probably isn't enough. (laughs) That's true. But but. They are, I mean, they are the best team in the in the entire NBA. Um, I don't know if it's really that close um, right now. Uh, if if like if Steph was out and whomever was out for the Warriors right now, that's the best team. And so, I, so what are your thoughts? I mean, like, what are like two or three things that you you can say or think about that people don't, you know, when they think about the Raptors? Because all people say is like, all right, we got Kyle, we got Kawhi. I mean, nobody cares about you know Pascal or Siak or, or or OG, right? But those are guys that I think about. But so so give us your uh, your insight there. Yeah, so obviously they're they're eighteen and four after tonight, and they're one of the few teams that are kind of top five, top six, both ends of the floor. I will say. You know, they have had kind of a cupcake schedule, depending on who you huh. use. If you use straight strength, strength of schedule, I think it's been fourth easiest, uh, third easiest by basketball reference. And John Schumann at NBA.com, his metric that, that tries to include rest advantages, uh, has the Raptors at the easiest schedule overall. So there is a little bit of that to it. Um, that's why I thought Tuesday's win at Memphis 
17 point comeback was a, a really good one maybe maybe one of their best of the season um you know that that showed a little more difficulty of situation but but yeah they're, they're kind of clicking all over the place and one thing i wrote about on monday for the athletic was uh, i did a deep dive on Kawhi's fit and what's interesting about them being as good as they are so far and being third in offensive efficiency is that Kawhi still doesn't quite fit now the fourth quarter against memphis he looked awesome and he was such a great facilitator but for the most part leonard has kind of operated as his own thing outside of what the raptors normally do on offense to where you know he's not he's not passing the ball a ton his assist rate is down a lot of his buckets are coming unassisted and then everything else the raptors do is kind of a, a separate thing where leonard's a spot-up threat or, or, you know, the last option on the play. So I think what's interesting is that even though 18-4 and four is the, the best possible start you could have fathomed, at, at least on the offensive side of the ball, there's a little bit of upside here as Leonard becomes more comfortable, as his playmaking comes back, as his jump shooting improves, if it improves, his mid-range and three-point rates are both kind of down right now. So there's a little bit more that they could tap into there. And then you mentioned Siakam and Ananobi. The way this team has kind of operated so far is that um you know really no matter who they start as they mix those up they, they've been switching the power forward and the center up a lot in the starting lineup especially the center position um they have six guys who they're comfortable starting you could probably add ogn and obi to the mix and then you know if fred van bleet fred van bleet's had a really uneven season if he ends up good instead of okay um then this team has a pretty good playoff rotation and where in years past uh, this is a really rambly answer i'm sorry uh in years past you looked <laughs> at their depth. ramble yeah you looked at their depth and you were like oh well that won't matter in the playoffs as much well this year it's kind of like okay well the raptors will be better served cutting it to to nine maybe even eight lowry with the bench leonard with the bench um so there's a little more you know they seem like more of an upside team whereas in years past they've been they've been a high floor team without that kind of upside yeah, I was going to say, my my biggest thing with them has been um, Siakam and, and OG. And actually, coming into the season, I thought OG would be the one who'd be more of a breakout guy, but it's kind of in the reverse. Um, they're kind what's of... Fun- what? What's funny is... Sorry, what's funny is Sam's uh, pod notes have Siakam, S-I-A-K-U-M. Blake, this is how much we care about the map. <laughs> sorry, Sam, go on. Sorry, I go mean, on, sir. I have a hard time spelling my own name. People know that. So that has nothing to do with that, that. That has nothing to do with me not knowing who he is. That has everything to do with my, me ha- making typos. That is true. But, that um, is true. I was going to say, um, I kind of think it's the most interesting part, at least from a Warriors perspective, because they kind of have a similar vibe to kind of how a lot of the Warriors players, like people knew they were good before the Warriors took that huge jump in 14, 15. Like, People around the league knew Draymond could make plays and could be an impact player, but like no one thought he was going to be more than a nice little rotation piece. That's kind of how I viewed Siakam and OG, and now I'm kind of wondering if that was kind of selling short how good they can really be. Yeah, Siakam's been you know awesome, and when he came in, um, you know they kind of they were higher on him obviously than than most in picking him number 27 and they saw him as a potential starter down the line uh i think maybe the the goalpost got shifted around on siakam in both directions early because he started his first 30 whatever games and was overmatched and the lineup didn't fit and then he ba- he basically didn't play again the rest of the season he he was down in the g league dominating um so i i feel like maybe the expectations got too high out of the gate and then they got artificially low um, and everything I hear about the guy is he's just like a relentless worker. Uh, and because he got a late start to basketball, you know, with some of those guys, it, it's hard to put them on a normal development curve of a kid right. who's been playing organized, you know, AAU ball and then college ball um, and then got to the NBA at a young age. Um, it's harder to project those kind of guys. So he's an interesting case. OG's a little more, you know, he's a little more, uh, a little closer to what I think will be. A typical development curve he was right. much better than expected as a rookie more for health reasons than skill reasons um and i think his path to being like an elite role player is pretty clear the threes continue to drop at this mid to high 30s rate his defense is as good with consistency as we see it at times uh and then you know he hasn't shown the off the bounce juice that siakam has uh, but he has a little bit of it to his game so um, his path to to being an elite role player is pretty clear. Siakam, who knows where he could go, man? Like right now, he's oh. right now he's the Raptors' third best player, 
and he'd probably be, if you were drawing up the Eastern Conference All-Stars, he'd probably be the second or third name off the list. And, and like, to, you know, I, I thought he'd be in the mix for most improved player this year if he got enough minutes. It's crazy how fast he's come along uh, in such a short amount of time. Interesting. Interesting. Well, so let's talk about talk about this before you shift over to everyone else in the West. It is, is Kawhi healthy? Yeah, I mean, I think so. He's uh, he sat two games with the the jammed foot, and he sat the second night of every back to back. Um, so I don't know if that that throws a wrench into they, maybe how the long December are they planning to do that? By the way, Any honestly, idea? they haven't they haven't said. Um, but it I mean, wouldn't surprise me if they did it all year. Like like there are no back to backs in the playoffs, so it's not like it's this hurdle that he has to clear at some point. Right. I mean, and if they're gonna start, if they're just gonna keep rolling teams like this, what's their incentive to push him? They're gonna get the one seed if they keep this pace up. Right, like they've got this nice little cushion now too. I know it's only two games over Milwaukee, but they, they've got a bit of a cushion here. Um, and I think they'll play it safe. You know, I think that Clippers Warriors back to back will be a good test. If they don't play them in both ends of that, I don't. If you're not going to play them in those two, I don't see what back to back you would play right. him in later. So, so I think that'll be the big litmus test. Um, the only thing that that maybe isn't there with the health yet is the lift on his jumper. His three point percentage is low. His uh his mid range pull up percentage is lower than he's he's okay. accustomed to so so that might be the last thing to come right now is all okay now let's um, shift to the let's shift to the rest of the East here because I actually think the East is for once more interesting than the West like I I really have zero interest in watching Houston or well I like to watch the Lakers nope, for train wreck reasons nope. yeah but that is true. Um, but um I mean all four of the teams we assume will be the top four in the East by the end of the year are intriguing. Um, do you have a feel for the teams or, or how you feel they'll, I guess better. Who do who do you think at the end of the day is going to be the biggest challenger for Toronto in the East? Honestly, I feel like I have to say Boston just because if it ends up being Boston. <clears throat> I know. Look, they look bad right now. It, Andy and I have a bad. He's, good. Andy's all Toronto. I'm all Boston at the end of the day. So <laughs> Okay. I, look, I basically I'm picking Boston. One, because I picked them before the year as the toughest challenge. And two, because I feel like it would be most annoying if I don't pick Boston and then it ends up being them. I won't mind being wrong about like Milwaukee and having Milwaukee third instead of second. Um, you know, Milwaukee Twitter isn't gonna get isn't gonna get up in my mentions. Those those three guys probably won't even listen to this podcast <laughs> and they won't find me on Twitter. But uh yeah, but it, no, it, Milwaukee's Milwaukee's really scary. Just with like the amount of low hanging fruit they've been able to pick in, in terms of modernizing and uh, playing smarter around Giannis, but I still think Boston probably has the highest ceiling uh, of any East team other than Toronto. No Philadelphia. Yeah, I gotta the- see it a little more with Jimmy Butler first. I, I'm not. I'm not. I I don't know. I want to see how they play the buyout market. I want to see how this looks over over a, a larger sample of games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the the thing with it is is that Kawhi's so good, and he's going to be the. I mean, the obvious thing is he's the best player on the floor against anybody in the in the East, and he actually oh, he beats. Giannis is better than him. Yeah, is, you might, Giannis you might is not. The... No, he's not. Not in the not in the playoff series. Giannis can't shoot the ball. Kawhi can't pass the ball. It, okay, that doesn't that doesn't come on. Kawhi no, can't a, pass the ball. A, he just hasn't yet. In a playoff series, in a playoff series, I Kawhi stop drinking. I just before. haven't yet. Also, yeah. <laughs> I say that too, unfortunately. Exactly. Um, no, but but hear me out though. I mean, Kawhi is a player that's done it before. It's not like he's old. True. Um, he has that experience, and he can, and he's shown he can shoot threes. He dominated the Warriors in one half, right? <laughs> but even against okay. LeBron, can we can we talk after- about that as the most okay. annoying thing ever? It's like I've <sighs> he's better than Giannis. He's not better than KD. Okay, he's not better than KD. I see people say Kawhi's better than KD. That's not true. But he's better than Giannis. Come on. Giannis got Giannis got punked in last year's playoffs and the year before. Did he get punked? They lost at he the end of the game. He can't shoot outside of 10 feet. Boston. Yeah, against yeah, but Boston. that was that was with a coach who actively told everyone to not shoot threes. Yeah, well, I was like gonna say. Car. I feel like I feel like two years ago against Toronto, he got it was Jason Kidd that got punked. Like they, the Raptors <laughs> figured out that that defense, and then they just never adjusted. Yeah, but, I feel but like uh, Giannis, if you scary, can man. figure out ways to scheme Giannis into space, you generally, or if you're stuck trying to guard Giannis in space, you're you're kind of. Let me let me see it happen first. 
Yeah, you in, had, in, in an and, actual and series. The Raptors, you have theoretically the the best Giannis, the best guy to slow Giannis down um, in in Kawhi. So, well, you you can also you also have like four wing guys too. I yeah, mean, it's yeah, not that's, like OG that's and Pascal can guard him. Yeah. So we're not. It's like we're what, not buying like what Philly, Boston huh? Wants to be. What's that, sorry? I said we're not buying Philly at all, huh? I just I need to see it a little bit more, you know. It's got to see uh, how the pieces work. What the heck's going on with Markel Fultz? Um, I just I just like I just like him because uh, Jimmy Butler. Like I like I don't like Jimmy Butler as a basketball player, but in postseason <laughs> games, you <laughs> you want players like that can make tough shots. Me and Sam talk about Kyrie as that type of player. Um, and that's why, like, I agree, like, Boston's right there. Um, just because just if it's a close game, like, Kyrie may not get you a close game, but if you're in a close game because of how good your team is, like, Jimmy Butler can win you a game or two. Uh, Kyrie can probably win you a game or two. Uh, same with, I'd say, Kawhi. Same with KD and Steph, right? LeBron. I, I don't see that for, um, you know, for, for other teams. Like, I don't see that for Milwaukee, right? I didn't see that yeah, for that Toronto. Yeah, that, right? that is a legit problem for Milwaukee. I'll give you that. Like Chris Middleton is not winning a playoff game. Like it's it's Chris freaking Middleton, right? So, uh, but Jimmy Butler, I can say. Well, Ben Simmons also isn't doing anything. To be fair, that guy's a joke. But uh, look, you don't have, you don't have to tell a Raptor fan what Jimmy Butler could do in a tight game. He he dropped fifty and a half. It's uh, <laughs> Raptors fans know about Jimmy Butler. It's uh, yeah, I'm with you though. It, it's tough. You kind of you know that's where when you're splitting hairs in these tight playoff series, right? It's like, it seems reductive, but having the best player on the floor is, you know, that's a really nice tiebreaker to have or a nice coin flip to have, you know? It's something <laughs> the Raptors the- haven't... The Raptors in this run have maybe had the best player in a series once or twice. Like that Miami series, they beat them in seven. Lowry was probably the best player in that series. And then that might be it. Yeah, you probably had the best player against the Wizards. I mean, as much as they think they have the best backcourt... In the NBA, but um, but I, yeah. I see your point. Outside of the first round, I don't know that they could ever claim they had the best player in a series. Yeah, even the first round. One time they ran into Indiana, and like Paul George was the best player in that series. It's uh, and, and Giannis one year in the in the first round. It's uh, this is this is new for them to be to be able to have the depth and the the system, and then also be like, oh yeah, if it, if it gets gritty at the end, you know, they have a guy now. Um, and DeRozan played that role, but obviously Kawhi is a different player than right. DeRozan, um, which is as mean as I'm willing to say that. We had Monte play yeah, that role before Steph. Really Not quite the same thing either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say you say system. I'm curious about this other piece because uh, Nick Nurse um, is he actually mattering? Is that actually something that matters? Or is it more just like a hey, look like? Playing Ibaka at the five is, is obvious, and having Kawhi is better than Demar. Like, how much of Nick Nurse is actually a thing? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we have a great sample on it yet. Like, I like the experimentation. I like the fluid uh, starting lineups. Um, you know, he's done some stuff that isn't. It, it's like it's not the highest EV stuff. Like, he's played all bench units that on paper aren't going to work, and then don't work. But there's also you know, there's also kind of the specter of everything he's done has been aimed toward April already. So, you know, is he doing that stuff to see if it'll work? Is he doing that stuff to preserve Leonard and Lowry right now? Is he doing it to see, you know, if he's going to tighten the rotation to eight at some point? Is it Van Vliet or right? So there there are some questions like that. And then, and then the Raptors hadn't played any tight games basically through their first 12 or 14. Um, so there was no sample of like what nurse would look like in crunch time. And then the first two looks at it, we got, it was pretty shaky against uh, Detroit <laughs> and Boston, but it's looked pretty good since then. He's, I thought he coached a tremendous game Tuesday in the closeout against Memphis. Um, his second half rotation is basically, I mean, it was basically perfect. Um, and, you know, he sprinkled in some zone defense here and there to, mi- to mix teams like Utah and, and Memphis up and get them so out of their group a little bit. So more creative than Casey was. Yeah, a little bit. And, and Casey, Casey's, you know, the the whole Casey doesn't run plays thing was, like, really overstated. And the Raptors right. always ranked pretty well in terms of scoring out of timeouts. Um, but Nurse is being a little more flexible. Now, I, I don't think – I just don't think we have enough sample of what he's going to do in late, in, in late sure. close games. Um, to to really know because that's where Casey always had trouble. Um, so I just I'd like to see well, more always, games. I always felt had... like Casey got um the short and the straw. Like the end of close playoff games is is more about talent than anything. And it's like, I mean, what are you gonna do when LeBron take? It's like LeBron versus DeRozan head to head in that situation. Yeah, like that's it's, he's 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 
he's got the short end of the straw. As they say. And look, this this happens a lot with coaches where there tend to be certain biases in the discussion about certain coaches and what right. strengths and weaknesses they have that don't maybe have anything to do with those coaches. Um, you know, it's not surprising maybe that Doc Rivers isn't getting a ton of credit for what he's doing with the Clippers right now, um, whereas Brad Stevens would be getting all the credit <laughs> in the world for for getting that out of the team. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought Casey was all, always got a little bit of the short end of the stick, but Nurse has been mostly solid so far. I, I just want to see more of... You know, he had two kind of bad closeout games and two better ones. So I, I want to see what wins out over the, the longer stretch. So before before we get out of here, it's um, as of an interview earlier today, it sounds like Steve Kerr is going to ruin Thursday for us and not play Steph. Uh, and no Draymond either, right? Yeah, well, no Draymond's Draymond, for yeah. sure out. Draymond, okay. um, I, don't, I think that toe thing is a little worse than they're letting on. Um, but Steph... Uh, based on his warmups and everything, it's more of like we're we're taking every precaution because we can, as opposed oh. to like he could go type of thing. Yeah. Um, but with that said, uh, is there anything you're actually looking for? If Steph doesn't go on Thursday, is there anything you're looking for that like actually can be pr- predictive or interesting going forward? Yeah, I still think it's interesting. Um, one, how Leonard looks against a guy of KD's caliber. Um, you know, he hasn't, he's been good defensively. Uh, he has had very few surprisingly one-on-one defensive possessions. Like, like he's been isolated against barely at all. Teams are just kind of avoiding that matchup. And he's still guarded guys, obviously in like pick and roll and spot up situations and stuff. Uh, but I'm interested to see if KD squares them up and tries to take them one-on-one, how he looks against that. And then, you know, a guy like Clay Thompson, is a supercharged version of the kind of guy that gives the Raptors fits historically. Um, the Bradley Beal types, uh, guys who move really well off the ball and use their space and their screeners well. Um, and he's also going to have a size advantage against a lot of the guys the Raptors will probably put on him. Um, or, you know, he'll have a speed advantage if they go the other way and throw OG or Siakam on him. I was so, going to say, Danny Green's actually been one of the better defenders on staff. I forgot about years. Danny Green. Yeah, Green's yeah. had a couple, like, uncharacteristically shaky defensive games in a row now. So um, I do wonder if at some point, like, they haven't hesitated to put OG or Siakam on the Beal types. Right. Uh, so maybe maybe one of them gets a look at Clay Thompson. So, um, But you guys have buried the big injury question here. Uh, is Alfonso McKinney... Raptors legend Alfonso McKinney. <laughs> Listen, we've had we. I cannot believe this happened. There are some people, as in there was like three people that were kind of annoyed that the Warriors got credit for having Alfonso McKinney when it was the Raptors G this League. This is team Andy reacting to someone with a hundred five followers <laughs> in his mentions. But, um, yeah. uh, I don't think he's going to play. Um, and he's it's also falling disapp- back to earth. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing because. Um, with Steph being out, you realize how many of the players' like sole purpose on the team is to function with Steph. Like Livingston, Iguodala, all these guys are just kind of KD. They don't really work yeah. with without a point guard who knows how to like pass and move around them. Like I don't know. Well, that's no what Damian Lee's for, end. right? To just take all those shots. Yeah, exactly. That's what it ends up with. So. Um, having someone like McKinney who just like I'll shoot an open shot and I'll crash the glass was like kind of a perfect thing, but um, yeah, he's not playing either. Um, yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of Quinn Cook pump faking into eighteen footers. Awesome. Oh God. Oh God. Look, Ra- uh, the Raptors are super susceptible to those long mid range shots. Just ask Etwan Moore. Etwan Moore thirty on them. The, the Warriors will take them. Don't you worry. Yeah. They'll they'll go right at him. So. Oh, we got we got two more questions. We need your predictions before you get out of here. Number one, how many games do the war do the Raptors lose in in the finals of the Warriors? And number two, uh, does Kawhi <laughs> stay uh, with Toronto? Uh, I will say they lose in six games, and nice. he does he does stay. Um, I I've basically said all along. I think the Raptors' best chance at keeping him is to make a really strong competitive pitch. Like obviously, they can offer fifty million more. Uh, and the city of Toronto, once the weather turns, will sell itself very easily. Uh, but if right, they that's get why you need the long, that's why you need the long playoff run. He can't, yeah. <laughs> he can't lose in the playoffs when it's still snowing. Exactly. And, and then if they get bounced in like the second round, well, it's hard to make a case with, yeah, with how done. good and young the other teams are that you're in a good spot. But if you make a finals run and you're like, look, 
the, like the Warriors might lose a piece and, and Siakam and OG will get a year better and will play the trade market to, to add another piece. Um, I think that's always been their best chance to keep him is to make that competitive argument that it's his best chance. Um, you know, the Clippers are still the Clippers loom, man. The Clippers are going to be a good situation. So God, I, I think I think the Raptors have, uh, you know, if they can make that finals run, then then the odds shift to better than 50-50. They can keep them. And if they're bounced a little earlier, I, I don't love their chances. Shit. Well, there you have it. Blake Murphy, my man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really thought this was all going to be about Alfonso McKinney, so <laughs> it's nice to get to talk about other stuff. Well, we'll save that for in two weeks when they play the Raptors again, and hopefully he's yeah. healthy. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And, and the Kawhi piece. Make sure to read the Kawhi piece. I mean, we're both, me and Sam, we're big athletic fans, so we, we caught your Kawhi piece. It was great. So whoever is listening, read that and uh, watch KD uh, go at him on Thursday. All right, man. Thanks, uh, guys. Thanks, boy.